everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, and today we are here to talk about the Las Vegas race, the third points race of the NASCAR Cup Series season. And tell you what, Jordan, NASCAR just keeps on delivering right now. Another <laughs> really good race. Uh, week after week, it just seems like it's just uh, it's been fantastic to start the year. I, yeah, I can't believe it. We talked about it coming out of Daytona, and you start kind of getting into the the nuts and bolts of the schedule, and maybe some racetracks where you kind of wonder is the racing going to be any good? How's this new car going to work? That kind of thing. I'll tell you what, Fontana was great. I, I thought it was one of the best Fontana races we've ever seen. And you go to Vegas, and I don't want to say it's the best Vegas race I've ever seen, but I'm, I'm hard pressed right now to remember a great, a better race from beginning to end. It was really good. It was entertaining. And that was even before. And this isn't a, oh my goodness, the, the, the finish was exciting, which kind of tends to override everything else. But this was a good race before that, even without that finish where it was up in the air and who was going to win. You had some guys, you know, strong at one point and they kind of faded. It just had a lot of different twists and turns. And I like seeing drivers struggle. I know it sounds bad, but I like seeing these guys push themselves and, and have moments where they can't control this car and, and things happen. It, it opens up so many doors of, of these different possibilities of like the real, a real belief of when are we going to see a caution, you know, because before it kind of always felt like at some of these racetracks, there's not going to be a caution. This thing's over with. And now it's like, you know, it's coming. Love it. And you don't know who's going to be in it. It can be anybody from a Kyle Busch in practice you saw. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, Brad Keselowski, it's just, it's incredible to watch. Yeah. And it's like when, when it comes down to that sort of winning time moment uh, and they have to drive even harder than they've, they're already on the edge for most of the race and they have to drive even harder. You're like, well, something could be coming here. Now, you know, that said, I thought it was going to be a really clean race uh, for the win and, you know, so even, even despite the, the cautions, which definitely show how hard it is to drive these cars, you're also getting really good racing, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the Truex Kyle Busch battle, which oh. again, what was what we thought was going to be for the win. That was exactly what's been missing at mile and a half tracks with the 550 package. I mean, mm-hmm. if that had been the old package, it would have been a, you know, Kansas type situation where, you know, Truex or whatever would have been stuck behind Kyle Busch. He probably would have gotten close and, you know, he would have, he would not have been able to go side by side, the dirty air, he just would have blocked him. And, you know, everybody would have been frustrated that that happened. And, you know, um, but they were, they were racing, you know, I mean, Truex passed him at one point, Kyle Busch pulled a slide job and went back in front of him. And, you know, they were, they were side by side and, and you're just like, wow, this is really great, compelling stuff. There was another, uh, battle, I think at one point, uh, with Chastain, um, earlier in the race where it was like, again, side by side for three laps, uh, after a restart or something. And, uh, you know, it's just like, man, this is really good. It's good racing. So you have the action with the cautions that again, are evidence of how hard they're driving. It's only tied for the third most cautions in Las Vegas motor speedway history, 12 cautions, uh, in back-to-back weeks for 400 mile races. Um, you know, they're, they're really driving it. It wasn't, you know, only a few years ago, where Las Vegas had two cautions the whole race, and they were both for the stages. <laughs> it was a it was a no uh, natural caution race that Las Vegas had. Well, obviously that's not the case now. So the new car is really mixing things up, and it, you know, in addition to the competition that we've been raving about, you're seeing different guys yeah, up there. You know, that's, that's the thing. It's like even I mean, 
you're going to look at the box score and you're going to be like, well, a Penske car won the Daytona 500 and Hendrick Motorsports won the two races after that. Okay, sure. But you got to look deeper than that. And you look at today, Ross Chastain in a track house car led the most laps, um, had to put himself in a spot to win that race and just kind of faded just a smidge there at the end. And you had an Eric Jones who, honestly, I mean, Eric Jones, and I haven't looked at the deep at the stats yet, had one of the best cars. He seemed like he had one of the faster cars all day. He just never had track position. He was always playing catch up. And he was coming from the back. And you had Ricky Stenhouse Jr. running in the top 10 for a good chunk of the day. Um, you, you keep waiting for the bigger teams to kind of assert themselves. And again, you had a Hendrick Motorsports car win today. It looked like the Gibbs cars were going to finish one, too. But the other teams, these other teams, these smaller teams are knocking on the door and putting themselves in a spot where they're, they, they, they can get one of these. It's not it wouldn't feel like a fluke kind of a thing if they can win. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think that anybody was going out there being like, all right, this car, you know, we want it to be all, you know, 10 different teams in the top 10, you know, and not, you know, like, you know, Rick Ware Racing is suddenly running with Hendrick or something like that. I, I don't think that was what people meant by parody. But the the parody thing opens the door for, you know, some of the lesser funded teams perhaps to be competitive. I mean, with the old car, would we have seen Ross Chastain up there for 83 laps and, you know, kind of dominating the race today? I mean, Ross Chastain had only led 75 laps in 117 starts, I believe it was, for his entire cup career and led more today than he had led in his entire cup career in a single race. So, um, you know, and, and it's, you know, Daniel Suarez could have won last week. Eric Jones was strong last week. And like you said, Eric Jones was strong again today. Um, you know, you're seeing, you know, you're, you're seeing the, the children's cars run very well, run very competitive. Not that they're, you know, a, a lesser funded team necessarily, but, you know, seeing them consistently up there. Uh, and, and again, you're still having the Gibbs cars and the Hendrick cars, you know, in contention, but you're just seeing some new names thrown into the mix that you might not otherwise see. And, and I think that's fantastic in the sense that like, here we are through three points races and going to Phoenix next week. I, I have no idea who's going to be good at Phoenix. You know, like we, we write Kyle this, Larson? well, <laughs> potentially, but I mean, you know, you could say, well, you know, Larson, you know, he won last week. He could have won again today. He, he wasn't the best car last week. He wasn't the best car today. You know, obviously he gets in position at the end. All 300 cars took two tires, which, which we'll talk about, but, um, you know, it's not like Hendrick is dominating. I mean, no, no. again, Chastain led more laps today than all the Hendrick cars combined. So it's not, you know, again, yeah, you look at the results and you go, oh, Hendrick, Hendrick, Hendrick won two. Hendrick, you know, had three of the top five. But it, it's because, not, there's, there's more to it than that, you know. It is. And it, it shows you that drivers who are talented and who are willing to push it can can overcome any deficiency, or I shouldn't say any deficiency, but can overcome a lot of the deficiencies that their teams may have. They may not have the most resources or the best equipment or whatever, but if you got a good driver, that makes up for a lot. And we're seeing that. And I will stay on this hill, and I have before. Eric Jones is a really good driver. And if you put him in a good organization, I think he's winning races. And he is elevating, in my opinion, petty GMS racing to a to higher plane. And you're seeing it. And we're seeing it with Ross Chastain. That, that's what you want to see is you want to have the best drivers showcase their abilities and, and you're seeing it today. And because a, a Kyle Busch or Martin Truex Jr. are running up front and putting themselves in position or Kyle Larson's winning last week and maybe could have won this week. Well, Kyle Larson's arguably the best driver in North America. 
I mean, so that's what you want to see. You want to see the best drivers shine. And this package is allowing them to do that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, like we've said, it's, this is what the drivers wanted. They wanted it to be in their hands is why they didn't like the 550 package. And by the way, I love that. It's just sort of like, as the weeks go on and this, uh, this package, the 670 package with the new car, uh, gets more and more momentum. It's sort of like open season on the, uh, 550 package. Now, I mean, even Clint Boyer was ripping <laughs> well, guess, on it today. Yeah. Um, Christopher Bell, when he won the poll was like, man, you know, unsolicited out of it, out of, goes out of his way to say, oh, it was way better than that 550 package. Uh, you know, you're sort of seeing the, it sort of like reminds me of when the, when the ugly COT version went away and everybody was finally able to say, boy, that thing was really ugly. Am I right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so now, you know, you've had drivers kind of biting their tongue for a few years about the 550 package and now they get one that they like and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, that one, that other one, that sucked. What I find fascinating is though, is we have continually seen now drivers, you know, spin themselves out and have these accidents and really pick any big name driver. It seems like they've had a moment. Kyle Busch, even Larson almost had one today. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. I mean, Kevin Harvick, Keselowski, like they're not getting out of the car complaining. They're not criticizing and bemoaning the package, which maybe in years past, you know, you're, we know how drivers are. They tend to kind of blame everyone but themselves in these situations. That's how it goes. Right. We're not seeing that though. They're not, they're not, they're not criticizing this package because they know that they're, this is what they want. One, this is what they wanted. And two, this is rewarding the drivers who can figure this out. This is rewarding their talent. Yeah. I mean, the, the most critical comments that I hear is that just, you know, that it's all the same. I mean, Bob Pachris posted a video of a, a great Kyle Busch comment after the race where, you know, you know, so much was made on the broadcast today of about, oh, Kyle Busch, you know, he had a parts car and they had to put it all together and it wasn't even intended to be a backup car, which is all true. I mean, it took him whatever, eight hours yeah. or something to, to assemble that car after Kyle Busch had wrecked in practice. But then Kyle Busch was asked about it ever, afterwards and, uh, you know, this video by Bob Pachris that he posted, he was basically like, it, it was fine. They're all, they're all the same. You, you buy them at Walmart. Um, and I just thought that was a funny comment, but yet, even though Kyle Busch says you buy them at Walmart, uh, I don't think he's complaining about it necessarily because he's good in this car. I mean, he, he looks more competitive in, in this car than he did in the old car. Um, he should have won this race today. Uh, with, if not for a late caution from yeah. Eric Jones, I mean, he was going to win the race. He was going to win, uh, at his home track for the first time since 2009. Uh, that was going to be probably a big deal for him. Um, and to come out early and win. Um, obviously it doesn't work out. He takes, uh, four tires, which honestly I would have thought was the right call. I mean, I, I, I thought it was a winning I, call. I mean, all day it was like every time you'd see somebody try to play a little bit of strategy, it was like, it seemed to back backfire spectacularly. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, you know, two tires, they'd go to the back or spin or wreck no tires. That seemed like a really bad idea. So, you know, even though the Hendrick cars took two tires, I was kind of like, eh, I mean, Kyle Busch is restarting on the second row. He's yeah, he's got, jump. yeah. I mean, he's going to be able to make it three wide, pull around him. Um, yeah. And, and even Alex Bowman said afterwards, well, yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to work. Kyle Busch said afterwards, he, in the comments that we saw posted by other media members that he thought that it was, uh, four tires was going to prevail also. So surprised all of them surprised to us, but, uh, the two tires did work. Um, one, one interesting thing though, um, you know, 
and I, my impression was watching it live, Jordan, you know, you see the 300 cars all take two tires. I thought it was interesting that Greg Ives said afterwards in the post-race yeah. press conference that that wasn't a coordinated decision. No, it wasn't. It was a, each crew chief making it upon themselves saying, Hey, this is what's best for us. And Ives' point was there was not enough time to kind of communicate what the best strategy call was. Now they had gone over pre-race scenarios or anything of this, is what you kind of should do in this, in this situation. And in this situation, they decided that two tires was the best call. Obviously they saw what happened today. When you took no tires, you were a sitting duck and you needed to have some semblance of fresh tires in your car. And for a green, white checkered finish, you can probably get away with two tires. And at least it was worth the gamble and it, it, it successfully paid off. And it was interesting that, they, they all 300 cars did that, but they did it separately. Yeah. And, and, uh, one interesting thing about that decision as well was Kyle Larson was the leader and he chose the top there. It seemed like the bottom had been working all day. I, I am not clear why he, why he chose the top there. Um, he gave Bowman the bottom and they both got kind of an even restart, Neither of them really got a push. Kyle Busch obviously wanted to push to try to get Bowman out there and then make it three wide. He, he really couldn't get there. It didn't like he got a great restart either, though, which is surprising on four fresh tires. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they were just kind of even. I don't know. Like, he couldn't, he he just didn't take off as well as, as I thought he was going to. Um, but yeah, then, then uh, Bowman just made it work. Bowman said he didn't know if it was going to stick, but it did. And uh, he said, you know, it's not easy to beat the... Uh, best race car driver of this generation, his teammate. Uh, that's, that was his words, by the way, that Larson is the best race car driver of this generation. And, uh, but he did it. So that said, uh, another <laughs> win where <laughs> I, I think we're going to say the same thing here. I'm pretty sure that we're going in the same direction on this. I am actually so looking forward, even before what Kyle Busch said, I, I, I've been on this train cause I wrote about the preseason. It's like, I, I said Alex Bowman had four wins last year. It's going to be hard pressed to repeat that this season because if you look at those wins and you dissect them individually, there was a lot that had to go right for that to happen. And what happened today, Jeff? A lot went right for him. Yeah. Now, put in like a less politically correct way, was Kyle <laughs> Bush's immediately immediate reaction, which we both heard um, on his radio. I was tuned to Kyle Bush's radio because I thought he was going to win. Uh, from where he was with the four fresh tires. So I clicked over to his radio for the overtime restart. So I happened to be on there when he said, quote, the same effing guy who backs into every effing win that he ever effing gets backs into another effing win. BS. Um, He's not entirely wrong, though. And I don't mean that. And, okay, can I just, let me preface this. I, I, mean, I just want, I want to preface this. I want to make sure I'm very clear. I'm not saying that Alex Bowman is lucky because you do have to continue and you continually put yourself in these positions that says something. And I think Alex Bowman is actually a little underrated when you're with two championship teammates, you're not going to get a lot of spotlight, but when you compare he to William Byron, who they both joined Hedrick Motorsports in 2018 as full-time drivers, like Bowman blows him out of the water statistically in terms of wins. And he doesn't get a lot of credit. Doesn't get a lot of hype. But again, you go back to last year. Three of those four wins took a lot to happen. Pocono. What happened at Pocono? Like Kyle, Kyle Larson, Larson blew yeah. a tire on the last lap. Yeah. In the last corner on the last lap. 
You go to Richmond. It was a Hail Mary call. Like Greg Ives had no Pumped other up call. the tires. Yeah, it was it. They had no other option. Like that race goes three laps longer. That call doesn't work. And it worked. That's great. Martinsville. Like you need knocked any Hamlin out of the way. Well, that too. And you also needed all hell to break loose before that, though, too. Like, you know, everything stacked up and got crazy. And and again, Bowman deserves all of the credit for putting himself in a position. He's legit like the closer nickname, which is a little you know, cliche and everything like he legit probably deserves that nickname. Like take it away from Harvick. It's Bowman's new nickname, but like, he's not wrong. Like this is like, it, it, there's a lot that has to go right for Alex Bowman to get in victory lane. Dover, his other win last year was of course yeah. the one where Hendrick ran one, two, three, four. He wasn't going to win. Larson was going to win that race. And with about, uh, it was still about a hundred laps to go. Yeah. Uh, his pit crew turned the fastest pit stop of the year to get him out front. And that was a non-passing, like clean air yeah. dominated race. The only thing I will say up. about that is he actually led a lot of laps in that race. Where yeah. those yeah. other three wins that he had, he was, he led almost virtually nothing until, you know, till late. Yeah. He dominated that Fontana race, uh, in 2020, right yep. before the pandemic, like completely crushed everyone, destroyed them, but that's not really how he wins usually. Now that said, I mean, yes, so he does back into wins, but is there anything wrong with that? Because ultimately, you have number one, you have to be in position to Absolutely. win in the first place. You have to be around. And a lot of people weren't around today. Um, not of their own doing necessarily, but Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer, Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones. Uh, those all could have been really top 10 cars potentially, or winning cars in some cases there, top fives. Some of those names I read off though, all those cars finished 31st or worse today because they were collected in some sort of incident of some kind or, something of their own doing or not their own doing. So, you know, you have to be there at the end. Number one, number two, a lot of people, I mean, you don't really like when you think about, okay, you look back at the stats and you say, Alex Bowman, four wins last year. Most people for the, you know, for the by and large, you don't go, well, this happened in this race, this happened in this race. This you, you know, you got kind of have to refresh your memory, which by the way, about some of the things that we just read off, I did have to refresh my memory about. So, you know, it's like, you know, look, the bottom line is you got to win. It, it's, that's what anybody cares about at the end, backing into him. Sure. I mean, I don't think he's going to deny that. I don't think he's going to deny that. Yeah. You know what? He gets, he kind of uh, is around at the end and is able to maybe sort of steal some of these, but bottom line, like at the Vegas one today, he still had to, he had to outduel Kyle Larson who had won five of the last seven cup races in the championship going into this race, he had to beat him straight up head to head, equal tires on a restart and did it. And from he had the non preferred lane. Who's starting right behind them uh, who had four fresh tires and Kyle had a fast race car. I mean, he certainly earned it. I, I'm not trying to diminish that. It's just, you, you can't deny though, that there's so many things that have to, that have had to fall into place for these things, these wins that have happened. It, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, just, it's curious. It's interesting. No, it's, and look, a lot of the drivers would love to have that luck. I mean, Kyle Busch would love to have that luck. <laughs> yeah, How many Kyle times, like I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, but yeah, that's very um, true. ultimately, as we've talked about last year, it doesn't make a season because remember we had this conversation last year when I think Bowman at the time had had, you know, three wins and Denny Hamlin said, well, I'd rather have the season. He was winless at the time. And he said, I'd rather have the season that I'm having than the one Bowman is having or whatever. Um, because, you know, he, and he said, you know, they were running more consistently and that was what mattered at the end. And of course, Denny Hamlin made the final four 
and, you know, Bowman, you know, kind of had an early exit. So, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's kind of what you're looking for, but at, at the same time, uh, Alex Bowman has won on an oval, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five times since Chase Elliott's won an oval. Is that, am I getting that right? That's, Chase yeah, Elliott's I mean, Elliott, not, both the Elliott's wins last year were on road courses. So yeah. Right. So Alex Bowman yeah. has five wins on an oval since Chase Elliott won on an oval. Yeah. So, okay. That adds up and you say, well, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, it, he's trying to keep a job at Hendrick Motorsports. Hey boss, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Sure. And, you know? and I think that goes, what I said is we, we talk a lot about Kyle Larson. We talk about a lot about Chase Elliott for, for, justifiable reason we we seem to talk a lot about William Byron who I think we both agree is very talented and we're kind of waiting for him to take that next step and Bowman kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit and he's okay with that because that's kind of his thing and he doesn't really want it anyway he doesn't want to be you know that spotlight and it's, he's fine with it but it, it does seem like we kind of even now we're, we're probably not giving him his just due <laughs> well but, he play you know like you said he's, he plays it up you know, he has this, uh, his last win, he got a hack t-shirt, um, <laughs> from one of his, I can't remember which one was the nobody likes us anyway. Was that the Richmond one? Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. He said, nobody likes us anyway, t-shirt. And then he, uh, quote tweeted my Kyle Bush tweet right before we started recording the podcast tonight and said, yikes, another t-shirt maybe. So, um, maybe another t-shirt's going to be in the works off. Kyle Bush's yeah, the lettering thing. on that's going to have to be pretty small though, because that, if you're going to get the <laughs> whole a long Kyle quote. quote on there, it's going to have like an, a 10 font, maybe like how, I mean, maybe do a front and back. I don't know. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, going to be family approved that one, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting day overall. Um, you know, I, I will say we, we should definitely not gloss over the Ross Chastain thing. No, uh, by any means, because, you know, one of one of the people who usually likes to take credit on this podcast when he's right, <laughs> me, uh, really had a ice cold, absolutely awful, horrendous take in our preseason preview, where we picked our um, biggest disappointments for the year. We we were predicting, you know, breakthrough driver, blah blah blah. Biggest disappointment I said would be team trackhouse. Well, after the first two real races, Fontana and Vegas. Daniel Suarez almost won Fontana. Ross Chastain could have won Vegas. That is not looking like a very good decision because it seems like they are uh, quite up to speed and uh, very impressive so far this year. I'm, I'm quite impressed with what they've been able to do. Uh, the new car obviously is, is benefiting them, um, but they're, you know, they're, they're doing all the things they need to do. Now they just need to start closing it out, but neither of their drivers have really been in these situations before. I mean, um, Suarez probably picked the wrong lane when he was dueling with, uh, Larson last week. Um, Chastain's big mistake today, honestly, was he was leading when they were coming to, in, on a green flag pit cycle. And he was just a little bit too conservative getting to pit road. And Kyle Busch jumped him during that green flag pit cycle. Um, and that, that, you know, cost him the lead ultimately when they restarted because uh, a caution came out, trapped a bunch of people, lapped down. There was wave rounds, and then when they restarted, it was Kyle Busch P1, then Chastain. And uh, you know, but you can't blame Chastain because he's like, look, I was, I didn't want to make a mistake getting to pit road, so I was trying to really play it cautiously. But that cost him just enough time to sort of lose control of the race. He, you know, he still 
kind of made the right decision there on the restart. He took four tires, which again, we thought was going to be, uh, the right call. And, uh, he had a shot, but it just didn't work out. But, you know, you still feel like, man, they're, they're making gains. They are. They have a lot of speed in their race cars and you'd like to kind of see them take that next step and start to close these out. We saw in spurts last year with Suarez, Bristol dirt, Nashville, Atlanta. Um, they had a lot of speed and they didn't, they didn't close the door and put themselves in a position where they could contend for the win at the end. We're seeing it now. And this is encouraging. And I thought going into this year, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a challenge for them to go from one car team to a two car team and not just expanding to a two car team. This is a team that was really kind of going out on its own there. You know, last year, Richard Childers racing built those cars uh, in house and, you know, track house was involved in the process and everything, but those were RCR made cars largely. You'd go to that shop. You'd see them sitting on the floor this year. Every they relocated the old Ganassi shop. They're, they're kind of a, quote unquote, independent team in some respects, and they're doing it all themselves. You would think that there'd be some growing pain through this process. We haven't seen it right now. It's been impressive. Now I'm going to give you the caveat though, Jeff, this is only race three. Like, I mean, let's see how this happens the rest of the year. We got a long way to go. So I, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up too bad right now on this. Cause I'll tell you what, my disappointment driver was Alex Bowman. (laughs) Okay. There you go. I did say though, in the thing I said, he was going to probably win a race, but for him to win four races, I think was probably a little bit too much of a reach. But again, and I said this last week, I'm, I'm just not ready to make like definitive like statements of like, Oh my goodness, this is, this team is going to do this this year. I, I fall in this trap before I'm trying not to do it this year. Uh, a la chase Elliott last year, but you know, we'll see it, it's early. They look good, but you know, it, we'll see as teams get this car kind of figured out a little bit. Let's see what that separation is. And let's see now the challenge is too is track house has to continue with that as Gibbs and Hendrick and all these bigger teams get their, understanding this car and what works and they start building up their inventories it's imperative for track house to figure this out as well and to continue that not saying they can't but that's a challenge yeah you've got to stay ahead of it because it is so much trial and error for these teams right now i mean they're only getting a little bit of practice and they're rolling straight into qualifying they're impounding the cars um you know it's they're not getting a ton of time and as they learn it more i think obviously we're going to see the cautions go down you would think as they figure out how to make it more stable. Um, you know, I, I, you could also point to the fact that Fontana was a real rough abrasive track and obviously Vegas, uh, they highlighted those bumps over the infield tunnel today over one and two. And that really upset the cars a lot. When you go to some of these smoother tracks that don't have the bumps necessarily, um, are we going to see the same type of racing? Obviously the caution, the cautions, the amount of, of them today kept everything close, uh, kept the, the TV broadcast, even from showing many commercials in the middle of green flag action. I, I that was one thing that was noticeable to me watching from home. Um, you know, I, I just thought, you know, that a lot of what we're seeing, including what you're saying about the teams who are excelling early, we, we just don't know how it's going to play out, you know, a month from now, two months from now, are we going to still be raving about the car or are we going to be looking back and saying, you know, it got off to a good start because it was so new for everybody. But once everybody figured it out, you know, it's, it's just kind of back to normal, what we thought or, or what, or what we, what we think of as normal. Um, I'm not sure, but for now, um, I think it was Aaron Bearden who tweeted during the race. Uh, this feels like NASCAR racing again, and it's been refreshing. It's been very refreshing to watch because I think, you know, I see a lot of people on Twitter too. Like 
Hey, you know, I, I was, I was all but driven away from the sport over the last decade or whatever, or what, and, and I'm glad I stuck it out because now this is what I remember loving about the sport comments like that, that I, I've been seeing. And, and I think that's really true. I mean, it's people want to see these drivers challenged. They want to see them earn it. They want to see the best guys win. Um, they don't want to see just clean air and track position to side races all the time. And, um, you know, you could see even throughout the race today, um, if, if somebody's faster, you could track them down. You could make a pass, uh, you'd get big runs and, and you know, you could, you could race. And I really think that's all anybody's asking for. So great start. And we'll just, we'll see if it continues. We just don't know because I don't think many things about this season so far would have been very predictable. No, but it's been really good. And as we, we start to go into some tracks where, you know, as I said, it, we got Fontana, which is for the last few years, hasn't been the best. Las Vegas can be really hit or miss. Phoenix doesn't have the best reputation. And Atlanta, who the hell knows what the hell's going to come in Atlanta. But this is what NASCAR needed. And they continue to stack these races up after, you know, one after another. That That's good. And it, it helps you weather any potential pratfalls that are going to come when when the, when inevitably the, you're going to have a clunker of a race. It, at least it gets you a, a, an encouraging start to what is a really important year for NASCAR for a lot of various reasons. And it's it's good to see because the, the talk is not, oh, the car is doing this or we thought it was going to do this. It's like, really, you, you've really got to kind of nitpick to find something negative right now. Well, I, I could find something negative uh, in the sense, not with the car, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tweeted something to this effect during the race, too. But I've been thinking about it a lot how, you know, we look at these tracks over the last few years and you start to judge them by how, you know, a certain car and tire and package had raced on them. And then you see, you know, whether it's Fontana or this Vegas race and you go, Oh, these tracks aren't bad at all. It, it wasn't the track's fault. I mean, you can put on good races if it's the right circumstances. Now, what, what bothers me about that is, and you mentioned Atlanta, you know, the drivers were very outspoken last summer when SMI said, Hey, you know what, we're going to, we're going to take Atlanta and we're going to turn it into a super speedway, speedway because we're going to maximize what is good about basically the 550 package philosophy. We're going to keep everybody bunched up and we're going to try to make this super speedway. Well, now it doesn't seem like that's, that's the direction these cars have gone with this package. And yeah, they're going to have a different package there, um, just for that track, but that doesn't seem like it's, I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I just wish they had left Atlanta how it was. Um, 100%. You can't I mean, watch Fontana, which is, I, I, mean, I think it's fair to say Fontana and Atlanta are kind of mirror each other in some respects. I know Fontana's a little bigger, but old worn surface, tire wear, drivers fighting their cars. It's like, damn, I, I would, if you, going, you would love to watch Atlanta, old Atlanta after watching Fontana. You're like, give me more. Exactly. Of exactly. And now it's what they've done to the track is irreversible because they've reconfigured the entire track based on a philosophy that no longer exists. You're going to have to have a special package for it just to try to make it raceable. And, you know, Phoenix is, I think Phoenix is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how it'll race. You know, I, I think, I think one thing to watch for at Phoenix next week is, you know, does that dog leg yeah. with the cup cars, I don't know that you're going to be able to cut that on the restarts and fan out because you get that, you don't want to get that diffuser down when you come off the track and come back on. That's going to be, uh, I don't think you're going to want to do that too often. I mean, yeah, maybe but, on the 
last lap or something, but exactly. Yeah, but that that's a really good point though, Jeff. And that's what it is though, is it comes down to a driver choice, which is like a risk versus reward, which is kind of what you want to see. And if you're in a green white checkered scenario at Phoenix, you're like the hell with it. I'm going to cut that corner and go for it. Cause I don't care what happened. Now you're going to do that on lap 30. Probably not. But again, that's a risk reward. We're okay with that. You go to Atlanta, if that doesn't work and if that, that track, that race is, you know, is not good. What do you do? Like you're stuck unless you're going to pour millions of millions of dollars and blow it up again, which is not realistic. Right. And they just, they just did it. Uh, yeah. They already spent the money on it and they have two races a year. And so it's kind of like, uh Oh, uh-huh. um, anyway, but that's, uh, I kind of feel that way. That same way about that as I do about the dirt race. So I really probably can just save those comments for when we get to that. I'm jumping too far ahead, but bottom line is right now I'm very much enjoying what we're seeing. And uh, I also think, by the way, if you look at the point standings, yes, I want to get into this. There's, there's a, I'll, I'll say some very surprising names in really the top. Well, what would be the playoff spots right now, based on what we've seen so far? Very surprising. Um, like, I guess, and I say surprising, not not that uh, I don't think that they're capable drivers, but surprising. Like, wow, they're they're doing that well. I'll give you one. Tenth in points. Bubba Wallace, what? He's doing that well to be 10th in points? I did not realize that. Did you? Uh, I mean, he finished second Daytona 500 and was in contention and got a bunch of stage points. That 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 carries you a long way, and that'll help. I mean, it's kind That's of the true. same situation. It's kind of the same situation with Ryan Blaney, though. Like, he had a great finish at Daytona and got a bunch of stage points, but then the next two weeks, he's, he's you know, he's, had, he's been caught up in incidents. It, it's all about stage points. And a lot of people don't realize how valuable that is and how much that can really – turn a bad finish into something more respectable. So, yeah, I mean, I'll give you one, Jeff. If I said to you, Jeff, there's only one driver out there who's finished in the top 10 in all three races. One driver. You get one guess. Who is it? Eric Almarola. You would have guessed him, though. Like, <laughs> No, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Like, you would have yeah, said, he's like, sixth in points. Yeah, you would probably would have gone, I don't know, how many other drivers? 10? What other driving? You know, like, there's no way. Right, right. No, no, you're, I, I totally agree with you. Um, let's run down the point standings because I don't think this is something that's been talked about too much yet. And, and of course, it's only three races into the season, but it's just still interesting. Um, obviously, Kyle Larson is now the points leader. Um, you know, he finished second at Las Vegas. He won Fontana. Uh, so that that has put him up to the top spot. He was eighth in the standings coming into the Vegas race, and now is P1. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. is second. Joey Logano's third. Austin Sindrick dropped three spots to fourth. He was the points leader after the first couple races. Uh, the first rookie, by the way, to ever lead the point standings for more than one race in a season. That's fascinating. That pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, the only other rookie to do it at all. Trevor Bain won the Daytona 500, but wasn't running for Cup Series points, so didn't count as a rookie when that happened. But even so, he didn't lead the. He wouldn't have led the points for more than uh, one race anyway. But anyway. Uh, Kyle Busch, fifth in points. Eric Almarol is sixth. Um, Chase Elliott has moved up, uh, moved up 12 spots to seventh. Alex Bowman moved up 17 spots to eighth in points today. Um, Austin Dillon is ninth. Bubba Wallace, 10th. Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, Eric Jones, and Kevin Harvick. Those would be your 16 playoff drivers right now if the season ends today. Now, uh, that means that there's a lot of interesting names uh including former playoff drivers who are not in right now and uh that includes William Byron 
who he actually moved up 12 spots today to 21st in the points. Um, the crazy ones though, mm-hmm. Christopher Bell, P29, Denny Hamlin, 30th in points after the first three points races. Not going well there for Mr. Hamlin. Now, I, I was doing some research before the podcast, and you know, we actually do put a little time into preparing for this podcast. Some people may not. Oh, think. you do. I don't. I don't put any time into this. <laughs> and I was curious. I'm like, is this the first time Hamlin's ever done this in his career, gone three races to start the year without top ten finishes? And the answer is no. I found at least two other occasions, and one of them was 2010. And that year, he it was actually his first top ten finish didn't come until the sixth race of the year. It was a win at Martinsville and that season he won eight races and almost won the championship. So not, not, I mean, certainly not doom and gloom and there's with the playoff format being what it is, they're, I mean, they're going to be fine. And we're not sounding the alarms by any means, but I, I find it interesting. And then the other time was in 2014. So they'll be fine. The Christopher Bell thing is interesting to me. He had top 10 finish today, started on the pole. Nice rally, nice comeback from what looked like a, an issue that with the tire and he, he came back and finished in the top 10 and that they needed a run there. And there's a little bit of pressure on Christopher to turn in a good year this year. And then that's, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do with their season. One thing I noticed today, Jeff, we, we didn't see at Fontana. I don't mean to change subject on the point standings, but I, I just thought about it as we're talking about Christopher Bell was the, the t- issues with the flat tires. And we, you know, we saw that at, at Fontana where the teams weren't able to get the cars back to the pits. We saw that today was a little bit more managed, a little bit better. Well, I mean, one thing that their drivers have figured out, you have to keep rolling. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I thought it was fascinating on uh, on Door Bumper Clear last week. I think it was Door Bumper Clear where um, Brett Griffin was saying he feels kind of bad, uh, you know, yelling at his driver who just wrecked at times. Like, uh, I think it was Justin Haley, right, at Fontana, yep. hit that inside wall on the last lap. And, and Brett Griffin was saying, you know, he's, he's having to tell him, you know, he doesn't, instead of saying, are you okay?, saying, keep rolling, keep going, keep going, because if you get stuck on those flat tires, you're done. So, I mean, we saw it with today with Cole Custer. Um, I think a couple other drivers, too, where you saw them and you're like, oh, they, they got oh, Christopher Bell. Christopher I mean, Bell, the way he was bumping down the track, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you just mentioned Bell. But um, anyway, yeah, so uh, that, that's really interesting that they, they have that. I mean, they all have it in their heads now. Like, we got to keep we got to keep going. And uh, um We'll, we'll see if that prevents any issues, but yeah, that wasn't, it wasn't really a topic today. Uh, I don't think that's a solution, but it sounds like no. a solution is farther off than people yeah. originally thought, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And I was talking to, as we talked about last week on the podcast, I, I talked to a lot of people this week and it's like, there, there's not really an agreement on what the best course of action is because anything you do, there's kind of a, a fallout from that. And there's, it's not just a straightforward, oh, we should do this because again, you, you kind of, there's all sorts of little things that kind of come up and, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, you know, interliners really aren't, it doesn't seem like it's a viable thing because there's, you have to go through Goodyear and they've got to be able to build those tires. Then you got to change the cars and you got to raise the cars up and how, how do you tech them? And then you got to take them to the wind tunnel to make sure that there's not aero issues. It's like, it's this domino effect, man. It's like the best course of action may be what you just said, Jeff, which was basically if you spin by all manner, you better keep going. Do not stop. Yeah. I mean, then that's not a good, no. you know, if you have a situation where somebody feels like they have the wind knocked out of them sure. or something and you're like yelling at them, go, go, you know, yeah. they might need a, a second to collect themselves and they feel this urgency to drive when they're trying to get their bearings or I don't know. It's not the most, not the best safety solution. Maybe, it's not but, probably the most um, practical, I, but I, again, I don't know what anything you kind of bring up. I can bring a counterpoint of why that won't work. 
Yeah. Well, Jordan, <clears throat> was another victory for me last week on the Was It a Good Race poll. I didn't get it perfect like I did uh, after Daytona 500, but uh, I only missed by 0.2%. Um, so Big Joe Wall 72 keeps our scores, gave us an update there. Looking good for me. You need to come back this week. Uh, you know, every people point out on Twitter, why didn't you just prices write me and go a little bit higher? You said you wanted to go 91% at Fontana. I said 91.3, and I went first because I had won. You should have just gone 91.4. Win. I'm not. You would have done that because that's what you do. And I don't care enough about this game to like think about. Oh, I got to do this and strategize. And again, I like. I'm not going to prices write somebody. It's just, who cares? I figured I'd go the opposite way and. I lose, you know what? I will be able to sleep at night knowing I did the, I lost the right way and I didn't win the dirty way. Hmm. Okay. Well, good for you. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> this week on the poll, uh, you know, again, I think it was a great race. Should it be in the nineties? I would, I think so personally, but I thought Fontana deserved to be higher than 91.5, which is what it turned out to be. Um, and you know, it's low nineties. So now, was this race better than Fontana? I mean, I think it was about as good, maybe not quite as good, but it was pretty good and also a good finish. Um, ah, man, you know, the, the, the highest Las Vegas race in the poll was the spring race last year, which Larson had won. And people were really enthusiastic about Larson at the time. He was a new, fresh winner. But stage uh, one last year at Las Vegas, I don't know if you remember or not, but we were talking about that being one of the best stages I don't, I don't really remember it, but, yeah. uh, that got an 88.5. So I feel like this deserves to get higher than that. Um, I'm not sure it's going to, you know, go too much higher or, you know, yeah, I'm just not sure. Anyway, uh, I'm going to say 90 an even 90 for me. What was number. that your, you took my number. Well, okay. So this is very easy, Jordan. Don't overthink this. Just simply go higher or lower by 0.1 percentage point, And it'll be an over under thing. Very easy. So do you feel like it's going to be higher or lower? I will say 91%. No, just say 90.1. Don't give me a, don't give me a free. I'm not going to be a complete jerk about this. It's fine. I, this is, this is the advantage that the loser has. The winner has to go first so that the loser has an advantage to come back and keep it even all season. We like to have the parody. We like to keep things close here. Like NASCAR does with the playoffs and resetting the points and stuff like that. (laughs) This is your chance. So go ninety point one. Don't go ninety one. I'm going ninety one. I'm gonna. I'm, right. I'm not. I'm gonna try to take the high road here. Ninety one percent for Jordan Bianchi. Ninety percent for me for the Las Vegas race. We'll see how that ends up. Speaking of numbers, uh, you know, we we joked after I think Daytona five hundred. We're like maybe the fifth or sixth best NASCAR podcast in terms of uh, listenership. We, we don't really know that, but we want to thank you guys because lately we, we've been looking at our numbers. We, we can't see other people's numbers, but we've been looking at our numbers and four of our top, top five episodes ever have all come uh, f- since February. Um, so Daytona, Fontana, The Clash, our NASCAR team preview, uh, getting a lot of new listeners. Our, our, our number one episode was the championship last year where we had Kyle Larson on. It's going to be tough to beat that one, but you know, for, for whatever reason, people are, are listening to this right now. I, again, I, I don't know why we're not like, um, 
you know, we're not spotters. We're not former drivers. We, we don't have like, um, you know, a big production. Uh, we record this and edit it and post it ourselves. We, we don't have any staff or cool bells and whistles. And the fact that you guys are all, um, enthusiastic about it and supporting it. Um, I mean, even going back to our, our top, uh, 10 episodes that we've ever done. And this includes the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast dating back to 2017. When I started it, this is on the same feed, same numbers. I, the top 10 episodes that we've ever done have all come, uh, since the Olympic break from last year. So basically mid July or later, um, you guys just continue to keep listening and, and the numbers keep growing. So again, we're not sure exactly what, <laughs> what happened or why everybody's tuning in. Uh, but we're very appreciative and, uh, we want to keep trying to do a good job. So thanks for listening. You know, I, it's great. I love it. This is my favorite hour, hour and a half we do every week. I look forward to it. I love the banter. I love the, it's cool to walk around the garage and have people walk up to us and be like, Hey, I love your podcast. I, I, it's such an excitement. I can't believe people listen to this and it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really cool. So, um, yeah, again, once again, I, I, I left off from Fontana saying, Oh, I can't wait to see what happens at Vegas. <laughs> Same thing. Can't wait to see what happens at Phoenix. Got no idea. Probably be a good race. Probably be unpredictable. Once again, NASCAR is in a good spot right now to start the year. See how long they can keep it going. It seems inevitable that it won't last forever, but again, uh, as long as it's going going well, I'll I'll enjoy it. I'll I'll be enthusiastic and uh, have fun with it. You know, uh, it's 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 good times. Ride the magic carpet, baby. That's all you got to right. do. Because we've right. seen the other side of it. It's, I mean, it's it's interesting. And you're going to Phoenix, but you're like, okay, Phoenix could be good. We've seen a lot of good races there. And then you think with this car, you think, okay, that that's going to be fun. And then Atlanta, good, bad, or indifferent. Atlanta is going to be something you're going to want to watch. It's going to be, and then um, we got a race coming up at Rich. We got a road course race at Coda. Yeah, you got Coda after that. Coda. The first road course race with this car, which everybody said this car was designed for. Like, yeah. I mean, essentially, this should be that should be the best type of racing with this car. That you know, it should handle super well there. Um, so that's exciting too. I mean, there's it seems like there's a lot to look forward to. It is. Uh, right and I'm not trying to get too far down the road, but I'm, I'm curious to see what happens at Richmond. Don't you dare. Say, oh, I thought you were going to say Bristol dirt. I thought you were going to ruin the podcast. Say, I'm curious to see what happens at Bristol dirt. And I was just going to press the end record right now, but you went a different direction. So I so no, I'm sorry for it, jumping the gun on you. No, it's fine. We bemoan Richmond all the time. It's like this short track and it That's should. True. Maybe it'll save Richmond. It, it, Maybe it, it'll I mean, save it, it is a legit thing. We, we've talked about it where, the racing at Richmond has not been good. It's, it's a short track that needs needs to be good. That there's been a lot of chatter about its future and its viability and whether you know two, it deserves two races and you know maybe a date would go somewhere else. And all of a sudden, if that that new car puts on a great show, it's kind of like what we saw at Fontana. You go to Richmond and you put on a great show. All of a sudden, you're like, well, wait a second, we ain't touching this. And kind of like you at Fontana, we're like, well, you know, wait. <laughs> Maybe we don't need to be uh, calling on the bulldozers and, and, and knocking, you know, some, down some walls and making this a half mile racetrack. But th this could be a potential game changer at Richmond, that, a track that badly needs something positive there on the track. Yeah. I mean, we keep talking, oh, you know, there's no more cautions. It's not the action track like it used to be at Richmond. Um, we've seen a lot of cautions with this car, we've seen a lot of spins. So maybe it'll all, it'll all work out. I'm, um, uh, I, I just, it's, it's, 
this new car is interesting and there's going to be a lot to to dissect as we go along but three races so far and if you had said to me that that, that was gonna be the case i would have like i would have shaken my head and said there's no way but here we are yeah i'll leave you with this stat um from joe srigley uh i i don't know um what uh, i don't I, i'm probably not even pronouncing his name he's he's associated with tobychristie.com he might work for him or Toby Christie, uh, always retweets him. And that's how I, how I see his stuff. But, uh, basically the stat is that after these first three races, uh, there's been 31 cautions, which is tied for the most, um, for the first three races of any season ever in the cup series. That's, that's quite a stat. Most but, cautions for the first three races ever tied. So that's something and it comes after after a stretch of i feel like years where we just said like there was no cautions the racing felt predictable and you weren't going to see you weren't going to see drivers spin out like how many times we say like there's no single car spins anymore well now it's like (laughs) i'm not saying there's too many because there's not i mean it's great to see but these guys it's it's fun to know watch a race and know that you literally could see a guy spin on any moment because it realistically happens it's not a pipe dream yep Well, thanks everybody again for listening. We'll see what happens next week, see if this continues, and we will talk to you next time on The Terrible.